0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us this morning to the book of Psalms, chapter 63. Um, I'm going to try to obey God this morning. I thought uh, I might be in another chapter of psalms but as my heart continues to bear this one and i'm grateful for it um the strength that i've uh, just gained this week in this particular psalm has been so precious to me i need it and grateful for it psalms chapter number 63 we're going to begin at verse number one there's just 11 verses but we're going to read down through verse number eight this morning Uh, I do want to say this. The song that was sung, Your Grace Still Amazes Me. You know, the truth of that needs to be evaluated in each person. Uh, There are people that the grace of God no longer affects them. It's no longer a wonder. You say, how do you know? Because they care nothing for him. When you're amazed by something, you operate differently toward that. If the the grace of God truly amazes you, you'll probably be found chasing after him, worshiping him, praising him. Now, I'm not going to get into your praise business, but that is not a spectator sport. When you worship, you have to do something. And we'll find that in this message as well today. And I, I just feel a pressing for the... And I, I, let me say this. I just thank God for that pressing. That That's how I know what needs to be done for the unction of the Word and the Spirit and, and for you that are praying for me. That's exactly what I want you to pray for is that I'll have clear direction time after time after time. It doesn't matter what I think. I have no idea what you go through, only in part for sure, but he does. And his word is what we need. Beyond anything else, we need his word. So you pray to that intent. Psalm 63 verse 1, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by his name shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, that you would give unto every heart an unction to receive truth, that we as your children might pull up to the table, that we might feast upon this challenging Word of truth, may our hearts, God, be fed, but also instructed, corrected, reproved, rebuked. We're trusting you for all of these things. We have no power, but all oh, the power that you have is sufficient. Move in our midst, we pray, as we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to speak concerning the yearning for God this morning. If you uh, listened to the broadcast, uh, we tried to get through verse number one. That's all we preached on this morning was verse number one. As a matter of fact, I started on it a few nights ago in the revival. Maybe Friday night I might have mentioned this. But I thank God for the yearning that comes from being a child of God. You say, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't really have a yearning, a a desire, a longing for Christ. I want to suggest to you today that if you don't have a longing for Christ, then something's wrong. You need to inventory your life and take a close inspection of how you're living what your attention is paid to, where your time is spent, whether or not you're uh, in the Word of God and are praying, friend, all of these things can be clear indications that we have lost our first love. We have lost our desire for God. Oh, how I wish today that the people of God were so hungry for the Word of God and the presence of God that you couldn't keep them out of his house. How I would long for a day when it seemed that people so desired God and in such a way that they would want to do a Bible study, a prayer meeting, a time with God, revival meetings. All of these things can be evidence of souls that yearned for God. Oh, to have a yearning for God in our heart day after day. I found in my own life that the yearning for God comes as I drop things of this world from my agenda. As I, as I begin to purposely evaluate where my time is spent and what it is spent on and when I personally make a commitment unto God to change those things, you say, preacher, what are you doing? I'm repenting of sin. And anything that stands in the place that is between me and God can be sinful. We allow things of this world to weigh us down and to trouble our souls and to distract our attentions on everything. Do you realize that most of our living time is not spent for God? Right. Does that bother anybody but me? The very one that's going to, that I, we can sing that song, I'll Fly Away. Right, we get so happy when I die, hallelujah, by and by. Let me tell you something, if we were really so happy and so excited to be saved, we'd probably do more for God than we do. A yearning for God is what... You don't need to try to manufacture works. Listen, works come from having a yearning for God. Works come automatically for the soul who believes in God and walks for God and serves God. Listen, you won't be able to help do things for God when your desire is God, when your desire is Christ. I want to challenge you today. You got to be born again first. (laughs) Amen. You can't, but you'll never yearn for God if you're lost. The flesh don't have it in it. As a matter of fact, your chief, your chief enemy today is not necessarily the devil, but your flesh. And what the devil does to entice your flesh and to tempt your flesh and to draw you away from God because what he's trying to do is to keep your heart from longing for that which is eternal and spiritual above the things that are temporal and that are, that are but today. These are the things we need to evaluate in our lives and figure out what's keeping us from being nearer to our God. Well, the Bible said that we can draw nigh to God. And guess what? He'll draw nigh to you. But I don't find a whole lot of people. Now, I'm looking at a lot of faces, and I realize I'm preaching to the choir this morning. But you know what? The choir needs it too. Amen. Amen. The choir needs to be reminded that we have to work on the earning. Amen. I've traveled most of my life in my career, uh, sometimes a lot more than I want to, a lot less here lately, and I'm proud. Amen. I'm tickled to death for that. But you know what? I, I get a longing to be home after about three or four days. I'm tired of wherever I'm at and I'm ready to go back to the house. Ha- there ain't no place like home. Amen. I like being at home. I like. I like. I I just enjoy being married to a good woman. Amen. I, I don't want to be somewhere where she's not. Let me just put it that way. And when I'm gone for a few days or four, I want to be back at the house. And you know why? Because that's where I long to be. Amen. I still have a hunger and a thirst for the woman he gave me because she is mine and I am hers. I love her and she loves me. And brother, that's the way it's supposed to be. I wonder how many of us have a heart for God. Amen. What is it that wakes you up on a Sunday morning at 6.30 to go to a radio br- I reckon it's because we love him. Amen. If you're trying to do it to get the accolades of this world, that don't happen. But I can tell you this much, if you love Jesus, you'll do something for Jesus. But you can't manufacture that. Right? It doesn't go in reverse. Your yearning for God, your heart for God is not produced by what you do for God. It's the yearning that produces the work. It's because we love him. The psalmist said it like this, Oh God, he said, Thou art my God. I believe what he was saying was, is you're my one and only. You're the one I love, you're the one I adore. You're my king, you're my master, you are my shepherd, you are my heart's desire. How many of us today have had our desires uh, deterred by the things of this world? We have been distracted in our spiritual minds and body. We have been kept away from the place that God wants us to be. Listen, you can stare at me like it's something brand new, but what it's always been is a heart for Jesus Christ. That's what drives the people of God to the house of God they love him and if you've come for another reason friend you've come out of sorts already this morning because he'll take nothing but your devotion he's not listening amen for for our clamoring of mouth or speech but what he is listening for is the bells of our heart and as they begin to ring out of a love for Christ a hunger for Christ a desire for Christ brother, God starts listening to his people when we yearn for him. This particular psalm was written by the psalmist David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He was running from King Saul. And even though he was still within the realm and the boundaries of the land of Judah, there were places in that land that were desolate, uninhabited. And here was the king of Israel, who had been anointed by Samuel to be king and yet Saul was still the king and Saul desired being possessed by an evil spirit to kill King David, to kill him. Now David had never taken the throne, never sit on it and yet he was running for his life. David had never done, he hadn't done anything wrong at this point. He hadn't violated anything that caused him to be the one in the wilderness and yet here he was. I heard the sister this morning and her prayer request about, amen, being under the oppression of this world and the things of this world. Listen to me, there are times when you'll go through the wilderness of this world. But hey, the Bible said we'll suffer, but don't suffer because of wrongdoing. It's all right if you can suffer, amen, when it's not the wrongdoing, but but something good that you've done. Listen, when you're trying to do something for God, there'll be opposition in your life, and you might end up in the wilderness. But oh, I'm glad that the wildernesses I'm in from one day to the next. And you say, are they that frequent? Sometimes. I'm in a wilderness one day and then right back into a different one the next day. But here's what I want you to know. It doesn't have to be the wilderness of sin. It doesn't have to be the wilderness of disobedience. It doesn't have to be the wilderness of rebellion. Those are wildernesses, friends, where you really find the oppression of this world. I want you to know there are dark times. There are hard times. There are oppressive times. But God is always with me. You don't have to walk in the wilderness of this world alone. Here we find David having just a few around him. We find that he wasn't whining about his circumstances. He wasn't complaining about his problems. Amen. He, he wrote in verses 9, 10, 11, and he said God's going to deal with them. Right? And I ain't going to deal with them right now either. I, that ain't who I'm worried about. Amen. They ain't my problem. And David was trying to make sure, I believe in 9, 10, 11, that as you read this psalm, you recognize as well that the enemy ain't your problem. Do we have one? Yes. But I also know the one who has already judged him and who has a hedge built around me and who the devil can't get to me unless God lets him in. And if God lets him in, it'll be for my good. I want you to know what we really need is a heart for God. A yearning. For Jesus Christ. Oh, when you have a hankering for something. Right? I've known people when they get a real hankering, they'll just get up and go somewhere and get it. I wonder, wonder where your appetite is this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm trying to get out of the first verse again. Oh, that our heart, that our appetite would just just grow for God. That you know what? It was unquenchable. I want to be in the place where every day I wake up, I thank God, I need you more today than I did yesterday. I want to wake up hungrier tomorrow than I was today. For God, I want to wake up thirstier. What the sermon said, he said, God, I'm going to seek you early. Amen. When my eyes open, I want to be talking to you. I want to be yearning for you. I don't want the distraction. Yeah, I've got to go to work, but it don't mean I go without God. I don't have to do anything without the Lord. He lives in me. He goes everywhere I go. And I can have a yearning for God on Monday just as hard as I do on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Sunday. God ain't changed, and I believe He wants you and I to love Him more than every other distraction in this world. Oh, He said, I, I, I'm going to seek you early. I'm going to seek you first. You ever woke up and your mind on Him? Is that just me? No. Some of you, you wake up and your mind's on God. I woke up during the revival. I told them on the broadcast, I woke up one day this week praying. How you do that, I don't know. But I woke up... I knew at the moment my mouth was moving, I was praying a prayer. You say, How's that happen? I don't know, other than to say, I'm hungry for Him. I need Him when I'm unconscious, I need Him when I'm sleeping. I want God, every part of me. I want Him to create in me such a thirst that you can't keep me out of His house. Amen. You can't keep me out of His Word. You can't keep me away from the private prayers. You can't keep me out of his presence. I want a heart and a yearning for God. May I say to you today, when our hearts have met this condition, he said, I will in no wise cast you out. A yearning for God. The psalmist would say, my soul is thirsty for you. What are you thirsty for? Now, the spirit man has to battle the flesh. And we know that according to the scripture, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many times do we sit in front of a, of, of a TV and we let it consume hours of our day and never give a thought to God? What we do is we yield to the flesh in those moments of leisure and entertainment. Now, I'm not saying to you that you can't be entertained. I'm not saying it's even sinful. Nothing is sinful until it comes in front of God or has violated his word. And one time... Amen. if not hundreds of times, that we allow our flesh to be focused on ourselves instead of on God. We have allowed that which is greater to be pushed down when the, when the word of God says clearly, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The problem with the world today is not that the sin is great. It's always been great. The problem is in the heart of man. Cause out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speak. Let's see if I can get to verse number two. I want you to see what the psalmist was trying to say. His yearning for God was built off of something other than just knowledge. It was experiential. He was building, his, his yearning had come from something he had experienced before. Look at what he said in verse number two. He said, oh, to, he said to see thy power. Now, what he said in verse 1, my soul thirsteth and longeth for thee to see thy power, in verse 2, and thy glory. Notice what he said, as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now, some of us have enough behind us to be able to look back and pick through times when it has been good, times when it has been Awesome times when we stood in amazement to the grace of God, and we experienced the Spirit of God in our hearts, in our life, and we think about those times. And I thought about this week, and it was—I couldn't pick a single day because they were all so good. Every night was was wondrous. But I, I remember Tuesday at night, I, the, the man of God couldn't even preach. Everything was going on, and the Spirit of God was so great, and I just—I felt, felt so helpless, but so full. There wasn't anything I could do but, but mostly watch at what God was doing. And I saw his power and his glory exhibited. And I, I thought to myself, that's what, I'm, that's what I want." I want to be in those heavenly places where we're allowed to sit in and just marvel and wonder at the greatness of my God. I want you to know it's those times that we experience that we're able to look back on and we're able to say, I long for that. I yearn for it. But there's a price to be able to experience the Spirit of God. The Bible said that we have to die to this world. The apostle Paul would call it crucifying the flesh regardless of how you look at it you've got to dis- you've got to lay aside the weight that so easily besets you in the sin. And you've got to come to terms with the truth in your life concerning what is, de- what is stealing from you, those moments of, of true joy that your heart should long for. You see, from going from Sunday to a Wednesday, there ought to be produced in you a great thirst for God. I mean a great thirst. Now, some people see this different. I went to church Sunday morning. I'm good. I might go to church next week. I got enough from God on Sunday to do me a whole week. What I found is, is the more you eat of something, the more you're able to eat. Right? Right? I've learned over the years that my tummy will stretch. And the more I accustomed myself to eating, the greater it will get. It don't care. But if you cut yourself off from that, it'll start doing that too. It'll shrink. Why is our appetite from God so tiny and our appetite for the world so big? Why is it that we let the things of this world outdo the things of God. That should not be. When it comes to spiritually speaking, you can go to the next verse or two and see what the son. he said, listen, when it comes to you, God, I want the marrow and the fatness. I want my spiritual belly growing like mad when it comes to Jesus. But the only way to get there is to cause your fleshly self to be restrained because you can't have both the Bible said to be a friend of this world is to be an enemy of God you won't be able to live on both sides of this fence as a matter of fact I'd like to get so fat on the spiritual side I couldn't even fall over it I want to hunger for God so much, amen, that it's the only thing that I think about. When I'm working, I want to be thinking about God. When I'm playing, I want to be thinking about God. When I am just eating, I want to be. I want God to be everything in me. Yes. Amen. What David was saying was look, I've got a yearning for God, but it's because I've seen what He can do. He said, "Oh God!" He said, "I got a hunger and a thirst." He he was down there in the wilderness. Now, if you remember, he had been he had been in Jerusalem. Matter of fact, Saul had him in the palace for a while, singing, playing. There was a time that he walked out of the Philistines carrying the head of a giant. And when old Saul said he'd give him his daughter, he said, "Well, you got to give me a thousand foreskins of Philistines." He went down there and killed a thousand men. Brought him back. He was dancing in the streets, they said. You know why? I believe David had a heart for God. I believe he had a heart for God. You know what gave David courage? His yearning for God. Amen. You know what You know what gave, gave David something? A cause to live for. Amen. When he looked down there and saw that, that 12-foot giant standing down there, blaspheming the God of Israel, David said, I'll go fight him. Saul told him, he said, You can't go down there. Your buddy youth and him been trained since his youth. You can't fight him. And David said, Hey, let me tell you something. When I was keeping my father's sheep, he did something for me then. You know what David was remembering? He's remembering the goodness of God back then. He's remembering when God delivered that little sheep out of the paw of the lion in the mouth of the bear. Amen. He remembered that. And he was able to tell Saul, let me tell you what I'll do. I'll go down there and I'll kill this Philistine. And here we see him in the wilderness of Judah pinning this from an obscure location having done nothing wrong but found himself in the wilderness nonetheless. And yet he's able to say, God, you're my desire. Huh? How many of us when we get down in the wilderness we just roll over like a fish that just been thrown on the ground? And there we are, just whining and squirming and say, God, oh God, why no, David wasn't whining but he said, Oh God, here I am down here in the middle of nowhere, and he said, God, let me tell you. He said, where I want to be is back at the house of God. He said, oh, how I'd like to be back in your sanctuary. How I'd like to be in the temple, amen, where I've seen your power and I've seen you work. He said, I've got a thirst for you, Father. I've got a hunger for you. I want you in my life, even here in this wilderness. I need you, God. I know what you can do. I've experienced it. How many of us have experienced the goodness of God? Amen. How many of us have got a heart for this God? We want to serve him. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. He said to see thy power. He said, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in your sanctuary, God. And he said, I yearn for it again. I yearn to be back in that place. Oh, I thought, uh, I don't, don't want to get sidetracked. I've got a few more verses here, but I, I, I thought, This morning, as I was preaching part of this on the rate, I I thought to myself, there are some people that get to the place they can't go no more. Troy, that's just, that's the way it happens. Amen. I've seen a bunch of them. They get to the place physically that they just ain't able to get out no more. And I thought, I thought, oh, David, that must be how they feel. Amen. I can't even imagine myself not being able to go to church. I can't fathom it. it bothers me to even think about a day in my life that I won't be able to come to the house of God. And yet there's some that get there. There's some that get so old or frail or fragile or sick that they're simply not able to come to the house. But you know what? I've seen a bunch of them saints. I go and visit. I sit by them. And they say, oh, I wish I could go there. You know why? Because they've been there. They've been there. They've seen his power. They've seen his glory. They know that in the sanctuary of their God, things are happening. Brother, he's able to create, create in you a yearning, a longing for him. Oh, what a blessed truth. You need a yearning today. Now, here's what I can tell you. I ain't going to go into detail, but I'll tell you this much. The flesh has yearnings, does it not? And I bet every one of you, when you get one of them fleshly yearnings, you figure out how you can satisfy it. Let me just give you one of the basest. I was was trying to do some work yesterday, and it was hot. And I was melting, because I ain't used to real work. I was melting down. But I laid with it, and I thought, Lord, I'm thirsty. I was thirsty. I still had a bunch of work to do. My flesh said, hey, you're getting too thirsty now. You're really thirsty. You know what I did? I quit what I was doing. I remembered I had a bottle of water in the truck and I walked back to the truck and I got that bottle of water and I just sat there and drank it. You know why? Because my flesh said so. Yeah, that's just a simple one, right? The desires of your flesh are way more complicated than just thirsting for water when you ain't had it. And my spiritual man has to combat that appetite every day. You know why I think fasting is honored by God? Because it is a giving up of one's fleshly appetite for a spiritual purpose. I think God honors that. You know why? Because conceptually, that is the very thing he is asking us to do on a daily basis. Deny yourself. Take up my cross and follow me. And yet that is the single hardest thing you'll ever do. The psalmist said, I've seen you. I've seen you work. I've been in the house of God when the glory was there and your power was evident. He said, I long for that God. I ain't seen that place in a while. Down here in this wilderness, I hunger for it. Verse number three, he said, because, I love, when when you find the word of God says because, y'all look real close next because you're fixing to get a reason. David said this, he said, because thy loving kindness is better than life. Now, what we were just talking about is the fleshly part of man. And that's what I'm just going to quote, call life this morning. Amen. Life's good. I mean, as long as you ain't got an arm cut off or or dying with something, right, you think life's all right. As long as things are at home going okay, as long as you got a little food in the cupboard, life's good. You know what David was saying? He said, I'd have figured out, God, that your loving kindness is better than life. Now, better than life. He said, better than my happiness, better than the things down here, better than anything that I could experience in the flesh. He said, you and your loving kindness is better than all of that. I'm still talking about a yearning for God. Why would my heart yearn for God? The psalmist said, because his loving kindness, better than life. Loving kindness, I mentioned it this morning, it's kindness that is dripping with love. You've been loved by God. Yeah. You ain't been loved until you've been loved by Him. And He is so kind to me. Ah, we could go all day long talking about the kindness of God, but I don't want to mention the kindness of God without also mentioning it's loving. Everything he does for me is because he loves me. And what the psalmist said is I've experienced this. I've experienced this. I know just exactly what I'm saying when I say the loving kindness of God is better than life in anything in it. Anything in it. I've lived long enough to have a few things and that's all they are, just stuff. And what I've also learned, ain't one of them (laughs) better than God. I've tried both and I've done figured out which one's better. And so some of them got dust on them. You know why? Because he's better than life. He's better than everything this world can offer me. He is better, he is better, he is better. I want you to know the loving kindness of God causes my heart to yearn for him. I'm gonna ask you this morning where your desire is. Where's your desire? The psalmist was being honest because here he was in the middle of nowhere, didn't deserve any of this, and yet he wasn't complaining about it. What he was saying is, God, I love you. And he said, as I think about it, he said, "Mike, uh, here he is. He could have complained, but now he wasn't complaining. He was saying, Whoa. he said, you've been good to me. Here he was in the middle of nowhere, hunkered up in the cave, pinning this down here. He said, Whoa, my heart's so full. I've seen him like that, Debbie. I've walked into the houses, a dread over me. The prognosis having been given and told unto me. And I've walked in and sat down by the bedside, took their hand and just began to sit and listen and talk. And you know what? There have been a many a time I walked out the one blessed. You say, how come? Because it didn't matter what situation they was in. They still had a hunger for God. They're still yearning for God. What they were saying was his love and kindness is better than life. Better than life. You see, the psalmist, he knew this. Now, if you're lost this morning, you don't know this, right? I'm not laying this on your plate, right? You ain't never experienced God. Oh, I think I did. No, you ain't known him yet. If you ain't been born again, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. You just think you ain't there yet. You get saved, you're going to get some of it. Amen. You'll start your own journal of good stuff. Love and kindness stuff. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Amen. You just keep flipping the pages, writing them down. You know how I got that, Alfred? I'm, I'm his son now. I'm a child of a king. It's loving kindness. He said, well, he said it's better than life. And I, Lord, he said, I, I yearn for you. I hunger for you. He said, therefore, he said, my lips, verse number three, he said, my lips shall praise thee. All right, now, um, let's, let's talk about our responsibility. I've seen every one of you when I was preaching about his loving kindness, I mean, yeah, man, yeah, he's he good to me. You how many of us start moving these things right here? How many of us don't care what your neighbor thinks and say, "Who, I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. How many, ain't ashamed right in the middle of everybody else to say, I love you, Jesus. I worship you today. I praise your holy name. How many are so yearning for God that their lips can't help it? David said, my goodness, his love and kindness is better than life. I believe I'm just gonna say something about that. I'm just going to worship him a little while. I'm just going to let my mouth, amen, do some praising. Amen, I don't want the rocks crying out for me either. I want Jesus to know that from this lips of clay, I love him. I love him. How many of you have been holding back on God? Your lips don't say nothing through a service. The Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So evidently, if your mouth ain't moving for God, there ain't nothing abundant in there. I hope that bothered you. If your mouth ain't saying nothing for God, if you can't worship him from your lips. Preacher, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit before I give God any praise. Shame on you. I ain't found that in the scripture. Read 63 again. It ain't in there. He said, the reason my lips praise him is because of what he did. What he does for me. You know, I don't have to be in the Holy Spirit when I say, thank you, Jesus. But may I also say the Spirit of God dwells in me and he helps me say, thank you, Jesus. Huh? I don't know where the concept came from. Somebody's got to be... Got to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit before they ever open their mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. I feel like it's just part of my daily responsibility to outdo the flesh. What do you got, Michael? It's the difference, the the wilderness. The wilderness. Of sin. <laughs> when you get to a place, amen, that your heart is down, if you can remember back to what you know, About who? About God. Amen. Just got to thinking back about those good things, the loving kindness of God, and soon it'll get better in life. And your lips will start praising you out of the despair. Let me move on. I've got to finish. Fourth verse. Thus will I bless thee. As you reason, I don't need nothing else. Thus will I bless thee. While I live. Now, the the psalmist is making a commitment here. I'm going to read to you from the New Testament because some people think when I preach out of the Old Testament, it don't apply. It do apply. It's all saints. He said, thus will I praise you while I live. He was making a commitment. Right? He was saying, I know I'm going to be in the flesh. I know I'm going to have battles. I know there will be obstacles to my praise. I know that there will be things challenge me to keep me from you. But what I'm saying to you, God, is as long as I'm living, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to hunger for you. I'm going to thirst for you. I am going to let the world know that I am yours and you are mine. Yeah. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. You say, what caused a psalmist to say such a thing is as long as I live, I'm going to yearn for you. I'm going to tell people about Because the love of Christ, the apostle Paul said, constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And, listen to the 15th verse, he said, and that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him that died for them and rose again. Amen. You say, why in the world would I make such a commitment to God for all of my life because he died for you and rose again? What the psalmist is saying is, I've done seen enough, God, to know in my heart that ain't nothing else in this world gonna, gonna do me. It ain't gonna do me. You say, preacher, ain't said that. Well, let me read the next verse. Therefore, whoops, Verse number five, my soul, listen to what he said. Well, I left out the other part of four. He said, I will lift up my hands in thy name. There's another way to praise him. But look at number five. He said, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Now, I believe right there he's saying, look, if you want to really know the abundant living that Christ has promised, you're going to have to yearn for it. You're going to have to long for it, you see, more than anything else in this life. What the psalmist was saying as he pinned this to God was he was saying, he said, "The only thing, Lord, that satisfies me is here? It's the only thing that, that'll do it. Did you know that without Jesus, I'm just not satisfied. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just not satisfied if there's not a working, if there's not a presence that I can, I, can, I can feel and it's as it manifests itself in me and through me and for me. When we're in the presence of God, there is a yearning for it. But oh, our soul is satisfied. Not just a little. No, he said with marrow and fatness is my soul satisfied. Have you a yearning for God today? A yearning that that compels you as the love of Christ compels us that henceforth we live no longer for ourselves but unto him which died for us and rose again. You know, I'd like, to, I'd like to be able to just take out a little cup and say, try that. Yeah. Right. right? You know what I'm talking about today. Some of you are trading the loving kindness of God, the experiences that we are allowed to enjoy through the Holy Spirit and the divine presence of God here. You are trading that. For stuff, things, activities, hobbies, stuff. You you can't have both. So you mean I I can't have a hobby? Oh, of course you can have a hobby. But you can't have it before God. And if your desire for it is greater than him, time out. You've got a serious problem. Because then your heart yearns for that more than for God. You know what? You want to know why Israel was in the wilderness 40 years? There it is. They wasn't yearning for God. They was yearning for them idols back in Egypt. They was yearning for them leeks and onions and bread they cooked in their bondage They wasn't yearning for God, and God said, guess what? You ain't going in either. You know what kept them out of the promised land? The Bible said it was their unbelief. Their unbelief. You know what? I've seen enough of God to know I ain't trading it. If anything, I want more of a yearning for God than I've ever had before. I, I I want to be so hungry for God that every time I'm in his pre- and I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about when I come in here on Monday morning or Tuesday, I want the Holy Spirit of God to manifest. It, it, it ought to sound like somebody let loose banshees in here. And ain't nobody knows it but me and him. Why? Because my heart yearns for him. Where's your heart? See, the problem's in the heart. I can tell you right now, greater is he that's in me than it's in the world. So if my flesh is ruling this deal, it's because I have surrendered. I have let go because greater is he. There shouldn't be any reason that we cannot yearn for God more than we do this world. What we need to do is get right with God here. We need to to examine our lives and say, you know what? There's some things in my life I probably need to do without. I probably need to shed some things because you know what? They're hurting me. They're keeping my soul from longing for God. You say, Oh, you can have both. Let me let me just give you the simple. You can have both. Right? If you eat the whole dodger of cornbread, you ain't gonna be hungry. Not that I don't think the cornbread is good, but them beans are better. But you know what you filled up on? You filling up on the world, and when you come to church, you're not hungry. Because you got a you got a nasty gut full of junk. And it has curbed your appetite for God. You know how I get that? I've got to change that scenario. I've got to change it. you got to change your diet, don't you? So now you're meddling in my business. That's what God told me to do. Right? Because his word meddles in my business. He don't give a rip what I think about it either. He meddles all day long. He's meddling in there saying, Hey, what's that doing there? He's meddling because he wants me to grow for him. He knows what's keeping me from him. And it's some of this stuff in this world that's keeping you from a heart for God. He said, my soul is satisfied, Lord. He said, therefore, he said, with my mouth, and shall I praise you with, the, with joyful lips. Verse number six, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Meditate is a word that has been lost in the English vocabulary (laughs) because people ain't got time to do it. And though the psalmist said, one of the things that makes me yearn for God so great is because I take time to think about him. Don't raise your hand, but I'm going to ask a question. How many people last but just took some time and said, Lord, I just want to think about you? God honors that business. I tell you right now, he, let, me tell you, let me give you an example. I come in here Thursday afternoon. I wasn't able to come that morning, so about 2 or 3 o'clock, I, I come in here, and uh, who's got that pillow over there? Is that Alfred behind that pillow behind you? Doesn't that thing will hold a head good? I come in here and, and, and my intent was to pray for the revival. But there was, ai don't know, there was something. And as soon as I got in there, I saw that pillow and it was just like I was drawn to it. And so I slipped right over there and I flipped your pillow over and I laid it down on that bench and I laid down. Well, you thought I was fixing to take a nap. And me and that bird, we were, we were just laying right here. And I began to think about God. I wasn't even praying. I just began to think about God. And you know what happened? I told a little bit of it this morning because it was experiential I was speaking from this morning. As I was laying there, I began to think, God, oh my goodness, how you love me. And I thought of, of, the, of the earth and creation And then I began to think of the solar system and all, and the sun and the moon and the stars and all the other planets. And then I got to thinking about all they can't see. And it got so big, and I'm still just laying there thinking about God. And then it occurred to me that He's outside all of it. He ain't in any of that. He created it. Lord Jesus, He got so big. He got so big and so fast, it got, it got so big, the hot tears were streaming down my face. I was squalling like a little girl. I was saying, God, I can't believe you love me. I can't believe you care for me. I can't believe you watch over me and you help me. Brother, we need a yearning for God. David said, when I meditate, it just fuels the fire. It just makes me want more of you, God. I just need more of you. When I meditate on you, oh, I've said in the night watches. Now, night watch ain't when you sleep. It's when you watch. Some people think he was talking about when he's sleeping. He wasn't sleeping. No, when it comes to sheep, you got to watch them all day long because it's in the night when the enemy comes. It's in the night when the predator comes and tries to steal one out of the flock. So you gotta have night watches. And you know what, as a night watchman, you gotta do? Stay awake. <laughs> right? because the minute you close him out, you ain't watching no more. David said, In the night watches, he said, I'm thinking about you. You catch yourself driving down the road. The preacher was talking about it last night. You get down about 10 miles and you think, Lord, where am I? Because all of a sudden, in your meditation, all you could think about was him. I just wonder sometimes one of them angels are driving. Says, you go ahead, Steve, and think on that 45-minute ride to work. Go ahead and meditate on God. I got Alcoa Highway. Don't you worry about that. David said in the night watches, "Oh, he said I just think about you. Just meditate on you. Where's your heart? You meditating about the, what? 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 The, do he say that? That buck deer? <laughs> you edit, you're meditating about that ten pound bass? You meditating about? I don't remember what else he said. Those two applied to me. <laughs> was, are, is that what you own? Is that what we meditate on?" I just have to be honest with you. Sure ain't been this week. <laughs> I've been meditating on something else. And I'll tell you, I want I want that to be the norm, right? So that when I do meditate, when I am in the night watch and I'm able just to think that my thoughts are about him. All right, we're almost done. Verse number next, he said in verse number seven, because, what did I say about because? He said, because thou hast been my help. Amen. I heard one amen, because thou hast been my help. Amen. Yeah, that's when our little mouth ought to move right when we hear something like that. Amen, we can at least say amen, that's true. Amen. That's true. Because thou hast been my help. See, I got enough experience behind me to say, you know what? Ain't anything he can't handle. He's helped me over and over and over. Because thou hast been my help, he said. Therefore, are like this, in the shadow of thy wings, will I rejoice. You know what the shadow of his wings is, right? It's protection. Anybody feel protected in Christ? I don't know where you live. I live under them big things. I live under them wings. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. He said, I would have gathered you like a hen doth her brood. But you would not. He said, I got what you're looking for. Come on under here. Protection. Protection security, provision. It's all under the wings, buddy. It's all under the wings. Everything you need. He said, I'm under your wings. Therefore, will I rejoice? Huh? I ain't never seen a baby chick sad under them wings. Well, somebody would sneak in on this place. It ought to be like chicks peeping, right? You just hear it all over the house. They're just, they just under his wings. They're scurrying around under there having a big time. <laughs> David said, I know that. That's right. He said, I'm going to rejoice over this business. He said, God has given me a heart for him. Amen. Last verse. Last verse. He said, my soul followeth hard after thee. Now, that's a, that's a little hard of a term to gather, but but what it means is, is Closely. The, 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 the term, the, the Greek or the Hebrew word was, was closely. Or in other words, right behind. My, what he said, he said, my soul. Now get what we're talking about is a yearning for God. And you know what it is? It's not your flesh that's chasing after God. I, I, you know, I'm looking into flesh eyeballs right now and I, and I know what happened. Your inward man won. That's why your outward man looking at me. Because your inward man was greater. And you're here because the inward man said, uh uh you're getting up. we going to where the good stuff is. We're going after God. He said, My soul follows hard after you. Oh, what a blessing to see people that love Jesus. You know where you find them right behind him yeah. Everywhere where he going That's where they going because they loving him they they longing for him, they yearn for him. David said, "My soul followeth hard after you, and he was glad of that truth that my soul longs for you right if if the Lord was never stopped, let me let me say this. I, I don't believe he stopped, but hey, amen, we'd all pile up behind him. We're following hard after him. I want to be right behind him. Sharon talking about him walking the dark hills and him going before me. Hey, amen, when it's dark outside, best thing to do is stay close to the big fella. Right? Don't let him get away from you. Stay right behind him. That's good. <laughs> You won't do that, not unless you got a heart for him. If your fleshly appetites are outweighing your spiritual appetites, I can can already evaluate you this morning and give you the prognosis, you ain't hungry. If you've indulged on the things of this world this week more than you have the things of God, you're not hungry today. And that's what's wrong with the church worldwide. We got every form of entertainment, we got every form of distraction that could be thought up. And they're still thinking up new ones. because the intent of the enemy is so subtle now. He's going to do all his work before you ever get here. You he don't have to worry about you because you're going to come in so full of the world. You miss God altogether. Come and get a song. My soul followeth hard after thee. He said, thy right hand, it upholdeth me. He said, God, you ain't never let me fall. You never let me down. I'm right there in the palm of your hand. I ain't. I'm just safe as I can be. You know what? I think I'll just follow him. I think I just, want, I just want to chase after Jesus the rest of my life. I don't want nothing else in my way. I don't want anything. I just want to follow. I want to be right behind him. I want to have a heart for God that just says, you know what? I, I'm, I want to go to church. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house. How come? Because they had a yearning for God. You know why people won't come to church? Because they ain't got no hunger for God. Because if they's hungry for him, guess what? Because you'll you'll feed whatever's most hungry. I think we're at a crossroads for some of us. I think it's decision time for a few. We're going to have to take a look at our life for just a minute and say, "Uh, I I think I see what you're saying. All my time spent on this and, and none of that time I was thinking about him. Then I get to church and wonder why I feel like I'm outside looking in. Because I ain't really hungry for God. And if you just be honest, you'll know it. I ain't hungry for God today. I don't want God. I ain't even felt His Spirit this morning. I've been in the house of God on the Lord's day for three hours and haven't even felt His Spirit. We should have felt Him in the congregation the very moment we came in. Why? Because we had hunger for Him. You say you preach that as if authoritatively it cannot fail. The master said, let me just tell you what the master said Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall heal. You want to know why he shows up? Because they people come looking for him. They people came in here hungry. And guess what? They got fed. Then there's other people that come in here and they got no heart for God. They got no hunger for God. Because their belly's full of the world. Goodness gracious. Ain't God good? Amen. Thank God for revival. Revived my soul and still reviving it. And that's the way we ought to live still reviving it. Um, I asked Teresa yesterday, I was trying to think through this. Um, At Some of these fancy restaurants, they'll bring out something that uh, you're supposed to eat in between courses. Now I'm I'm rarely at a place that serves courses of anything. It's typically a buffet, and all the courses are right there. (laughs) But in them fancy places, they'll give you one thing, and then they... I was trying to remember where we was at. It was way above. Somebody else was paying for it. So we we was there... And we had had the first course, and they brought out this little thing, and we could not remember what it was. But, but, but I, I had to ask, right, because it was in a little bitty deal. It couldn't have been a side dish or anything like that. And I, I looked over to the fella, I said, what's that for? It looked edible. And, and he said, oh, that's to cleanse your palate. I thought, well, so tried that thing. Sure enough, what I tasted for, I couldn't taste it no more. can't remember what it was. But it was, Eight. ate. So, sure enough, I'm ready for the next course now. I, well, I'll be able to taste it over what I just ate. Right? I, that, you know what? We need something to cleanse our palate. You've been feeding off the garbage of this world. And brothers, I'm talking about spiritual. You've got a nasty taste in your mouth. You need something to cleanse that business out of your spiritual mouth. Boy, so the Lord will let me live, and I don't know what he tricks me all the time on that stuff, but I'm going to preach on tasting and see tonight. So, If you're going to experience God and the good stuff, you're going to have to get your mouth cleaned from this world. You're going to have to get that nastiness out of your mouth to really experience the goodness of what God is when you begin to taste and see. The goodness of God. All right, as we stand here, I don't know your heart this morning, but boy, decisions need to be made. If changes are going to take place, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a choice today what's most important to you. And if anything stands ahead of God, it's got to be dealt with or you're going to be on the other side of this fence. You won't be able to experience Psalm 63 and its goodness. You won't have a yearning for God. If something else is satisfying that, you won't have a yearning for God. You just won't. I pray this morning, if the convicting power of God has dealt with you, I'm just going to ask you to come to God. Let's, let's cleanse our palate of this world and let's get right. And then let's go with a heart for God. All right, go ahead and sing, please.